G'day, g'day, how you going? And welcome back to Over the Moon, the podcast where I talk to you about all things space-related, from theories of creation to new rocket designs. Today, we will be talking about the Chinese Mars mission Tianwen-1. Tianwen-1, TW-1, or Huoxing-1, I, I I probably totally butchered that, um, but I don't know, it's Chinese, is a Chinese mission to Mars. Unlike most first missions to Mars, which usually take an orbiter to, you know, scout out a landing spot and to make sure that they can actually get to Mars, Tianwen-1 compose, is comprised of an orbiter, a lander, which I'm pretty sure is just a, you know, land the rover, and the rover. Tianwen-1 took advantage of the 2020 alignment of Earth and Mars and launched on the 23rd of July 2020, pretty recently, on board a Long March 5. Tianwen-1 will be landing on a Mars, um, on Mars, nearing the end of April 2021. Um, even though they launched before NASA, they're going to be landing after NASA, um, uh, probably because they have a further distance to get there, I'm not actually sure why. But it could also be because, you know, that orbiter, it's going to need to designate a landing spot before it can land, whereas, you know, um, NASA has already designated their landing spot. TN-1's orbiter is comprised of many scientific instruments, each doing interesting thing, interesting different things, mostly related towards the Martian atmosphere. The first instrument is the medium resolution camera or the MRC. The MRC is a camera with a resolution of 100 meters per pixel, which simply means that every single pixel, pixel in the image taken of the MRC is 100 meters or 328 feet of Martian soil. Um, well, you know, space depending on how the photos are taken. The second instrument is the high-resolution camera, or the HRC, which is the camera with a le- resolution of 2 meters or 6.5 feet per pixel. These cameras are pretty good. Um, the third instrument is the Mars magnetometer. A magnetometer, which I'm pretty sure is how it's pronounced, um, is used to measure the magnetic field surrounding its target, which in this case is Mars. This will allow us to determine the strength of Mars's magnetic field, if it even has one. It's actually very unlikely that it does. I'm not even sure why they have a magnetometer on it. The fourth instrument is the Mars Mineralogy spectro- Spectrometer, which I'm pretty sure is how I'm pretty sure that's mineralogy, or the MMS. The MMS will be used to determine the mineralogical composition of the Martian surface from orbit. This is done using super high resolution cameras just like the HRC. <clears throat> the fifth instrument is the Orbiter Subsurface Radar, or OSR. The OSR will be used to detect if there are any underground lava passages, the locations, and any underground liquid or ice water. The sixth instrument is the Mars Ion and Neutral Particle Analyzer, or the MINPA. The MINPA will be used to discover the interaction between solar wind produced by the Sun and Mars using the ions and atoms surrounding Mars. 
this information could potentially aid in the surface colonization of Mars, because we could <clears throat> learn if solar wind would affect um, any people who would be colonizing Mars. The seventh instrument is the Mars Energetic Particle Analyzer, or the MEPA. The MEPA will be similar to the MIMPA. The MEPA will measure solar energetic particles and cosmic rays near Mars, which could also aid in the surface colonization of Mars, in the same way that the MIMPA would help. It can tell us um, how strong the cosmic rays and solar particle radiation is on the surface of Mars, so we could know how strong, um, how much radiation we have to protect against. <clears throat> that was the last um, scientific instrument of the orbiter, so now let's go on to the rover's instruments. The first rover instrument is the Ground Penetrating Radar, or GPR. The GPR will be used to look up to 100 meters, or 328 feet, under the surface of Mars to look for underground ice and liquid water. It'll be more accurate than the orbiter because it's actually on Mars. The second instrument is the Mars Surface Magnetic Field Detector, or the MSMFD. The MSMFD will work the same as the magnetometer. It will be trying to detect and then measure a Martian magnetic field. It is, however, unlikely that they will find a magnetic field, as I already said, because, you know, Mars is so small, it makes it highly unlikely that it has a magnetic field. And the fact that it has such a weak atmosphere, which it likely that it didn't have such a weak atmosphere long ago when it actually did have a magnetic field. The third instrument is the Mars Meteorological Measurement Instrument or the MMMI. The point of the MMMI is to study and measure the weather from the surface of Mars. This could probably help us with the colonization of Mars. The fourth scientific instrument is the Mars Surface Compound Detector or the MSCD. The MSCD will use sensors and cameras to look at the surface of the Martian regolith to detect compounds that are found on Earth, that are found on Earth or ones that we don't know of. This can be used to tell us if there is a possibility of life on Mars, similar to how um, they think that there could be life in Venus's um, clouds. But we'll get onto that later, kind of. You know, if there were compounds similar to those found near life on Earth, on Mars, then it's highly likely that that means there is life on Mars. Now, it doesn't give us a definite answer because, you know, um, Mars, if it isn't Earth, it could have different ways of creating these compounds. It just means that there's a mu it's much more likely that it, there is life on Mars. The fifth scientific instrument is the multi-spectrum camera, or MSC. The MSC is the main camera of TN1, located on top of the neck of the TN11 rover. The MSC will take multiple high-resolution images of the Martian regolith. The MSC could be used to determine the composition of the Martian regolith simply through taking pictures. It will search for signs of ancient water systems through the compounds on the surface. The final scientific instrument is the Navigation and Topography Camera, or NTC. The NTC is the two-camera system located on the neck of TN11, and it's essentially TN11's eyes. These cameras can work together to create easy 360-degree photos of Mars. TN11 was named after an old Chinese poem originating sometime if in 500 BCE. The poem was comprised of questions including those about the start of the universe, which is 
why that's what TN11 was called, because Mars is probably one of the oldest planets in our solar system, dating back to around when the solar system was created. So if there is life on it, it's highly likely that that was the first life, at least of our, at least in our solar system. TN1 started development in 2016 after the Phobos Grunt mission failed. Phobos Grunt was a collaboration mission between China and Russia. Once the mission failed, China decided to start an independent mission, which was at the time known as Huoxing-1. The mission is being developed by CASC, or CASC, or the China Aerospace and Technology Corporation, and managed by NSSC, or National Space Science Agency. TN-11's mission is to find evidence of past and present life on the Martian surface, create maps of Mars' surface, characterize Martian soil composition and ice water distribution, examine the Martian atmosphere and examine the ionosphere. Along with these main goals, TN-11 plans to also operate a sample return mission similar to that of NASA's. They haven't actually said how they would go about doing it, but it's highly likely be very similar to the way that NASA will be doing it because you know they're both going for the same um they're both going for the same goal welcome to season three's new secondary section news time in our new section we will be going over any space news that happened in the past week or so and bring them to your attention. Our first and by far most interesting story for today is the discovery of a compound called phosphine in Venus's upper clouds. Phosphine is an odorless and invisible gas that is highly flammable. The reason this is interesting is you most likely guessed it because it is, it is a sign of possible life. That's really the only reason why any gas is noteworthy. On Earth, phosphine has been shown to only be able to be created through life, whether that be human or not human, you know, plants or animals. Now, finding this doesn't confirm life on or in Venus, as things may occur differently on Venus, but it is something that can at least give us hope. Now, what scientists think this is, is um, a possible form of life that lives in Venus's upper clouds. And if it isn't that, then it's still very interesting because we have, if it's not life, we have found a process to create phosphine that only happens on Venus, or at least doesn't happen on Earth. Our next little piece of news is the Astra rocket. The Astra rocket is the name of Astra's um, first rocket, which was recently launched once again. This rocket was known as Astra 3.1, but unfortunately, Astra has once again failed to launch their rocket into orbit. The rocket successfully lifted off and all things were looking good, but unfortunately, not too long into the flight, the rocket started to drift off course, so the engines were shut down. The, the, the rocket then fell to the ground and exploded. This failure was not unexpected, but no, is nonetheless still quite sad. Our next piece of news is, a couple weeks ago, SpaceX had some good news. Moving on to some more good news, you know, good news, bad news, good news. On September 4th, SpaceX launched their SN6 Starship prototype into the air for the first time. This isn't the first time they've launched one of their Starship prototypes, it's just SN6's first and most likely final launch. 
150 meter or about 500 foot feet hop was a huge success for SpaceX. The launch went off perfectly along with the landing. SpaceX will be doing this again in October with their SN8. They will be skipping SN7 because SN7 and 7.1 are simply used for pressure tests. They're not Starship prototypes. Um, and are just like basically balls that they fill with liquid oxygen or some other liquid um, to get them to a high enough pressure that their tanks can be um, that their tanks can actually be um, rated for safe flight for NASA astronauts. They just explode them, which is why we're on to 7.1. The interesting thing about SN8 is that it will be the first um, Starship prototype that will actually have a nose cone. SN5 and SN6, the last two Starship launches, were basically just flying water tanks and were actually built by some water tank engineers. Um, but SN8 will have a nose cone attached. Then after that, SN9, 10, and 11, I believe, are being built in a different way so that because they will all also have nose cones. So I am looking forward to those launches, and you should be too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Moon. If you did, hit like and subscribe for more space content from me. Next week we'll be talking about the Buran Energia rocket um, orbiter combo and the Space Shuttle rocket orbiter combo. Bye.